This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. At the Turn is brought to you by Vice Golf. Vice is a German company that makes premium quality golf balls for half the premium price. The Pro and Pro Plus were awarded a gold medal on Golf Digest's annual hot list, making Vice the only small company to win the magazine's highest award. Use the promo code TURN when you check out at vicegolf.com to get free shipping. That's promo code TURN. Golf balls shouldn't cost more than the round of drinks afterwards. What's your vice? This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Oof! What a day, Nicholas. Well, for, well, first of all, welcome to At The Turn. This is the post-British Open show. And, Nick, I don't even know where to start. I mean, we have to start with Tiger. He didn't win it, but, um, I mean, the guy finished tied for sixth, and he was in the lead on the back nine. Uh, God, what a, an exciting... I mean, just to have Tiger in contention, you kind of knew after he he played that two-hole stretch three over that he probably wasn't going to win, but it wasn't too far-fetched to create a scenario in your mind where he still could up until basically the 18th hole. Uh, I mean, going into that 18th, you're thinking if one of those guys make a bogey, one of the two, who which one of them did, Xander did, and Tiger makes a birdie, which he had a four-foot or two, he could easily be in a playoff. So, I mean... Thinking for the whole round that Tiger had a chance to win was was pretty special for me, Joe. What about you? Yeah, well, we were texting throughout the round, and the one shot that he hit, so he took the lead. I think he was the solo leader going into his 10th hole. He was 7-under and was in the lead by himself on Sunday of the British Open. And he had a shot out of a bunker on 10 where the broadcast crew basically said, okay, Tiger just has to pitch out sideways because the face of the bunker is too high. And then Faraday comes in and says, Johnny, I think he's going to go for it. And (laughs) he pulls off this shot full swing speed from Tiger. uh, The wonderful recoil after making contact with the ball. And he put it in the front of the green, which was an incredible shot because we figure, okay, Tiger's going to have to scratch out to make a par. Now he's got a chance at birdie. Can Tiger push this thing farther? 
oh my God, Tiger's really got a chance to win the British Open today. At that point, Joe, he was playing so well. He was in the lead, still playing aggressive, which I think that mindset is probably what ended up doing him in about five minutes after this all happened. Sure. But uh, that's when I went to the fridge and opened a beer um, because <laughs> I, I just, there's no more words. You just gotta, you just gotta soak it in and appreciate it at that point. So yeah, he, he stuffed that to, I don't know, 15 feet where it looked like he was probably staring bogey in the face. And uh, man, I thought that's when I first thought like, this is more likely than not actually going to happen. So why don't we pause on Tiger and we'll get to the rest of his round a little bit later. Um, but I think we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't go right to Francesco Molinari, who was playing with Tiger today and just played a flawless round of golf. He made, what was it, 13 pars in a row to start his round, was just totally steady, looked like he was going to make every putt, and he made every putt that he needed to for par and made a great birdie on 14 Hard 15, 16, and 17, which a lot of people did not do today. Right. And then, you know, once we thought Tiger had a chance on 18, Tiger needed to make a birdie. Francesco needed to make a bogey. Um, and Molinari actually put his inside of Tiger to about six feet. Tiger was eight feet and then drained the putt. And then at that point, it just was like, okay, Francesco played perfect. He's probably going to win the Open. Schauffele wasn't able to catch him down the stretch. And Francesco wins by two. First Italian ever to win the British Open. This is the 147th crack at it for Italy. And they finally got one done. Um, Francesco is the hottest player in the world. He won at the Quicken Loans a couple weeks ago. Had a really good finish last week and wins the stinking British Open. So he, he, he played the best. He shot 65 on Saturday, 69 today. And uh, was too clear of Justin Rose and Rory. And Kisner and Shoffle. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the other guys, I mean, Spieth was chasing, Tiger was chasing. Um, for him to make no bogeys, which is, that's incredible. And Absolutely. then, you know, he makes the birdie at 14, which is one you got to get uh, because not only is it a gettable hole, everybody else is, is making birdie that are better there, but then you've got that tough stretch down to close. Uh, you have to get that one at 14 to, basically to get yourself a cushion. If you want to play those last five holes, even a lot of guys are probably thinking that. And then on, on 18, that was, that was really cool for him to stuff it close on 18, make a birdie to, to win the open by two. Um, it really slammed the door. Uh, that, that was pretty awesome. So yeah, absolutely. Um, a great performance by him. Like I said, to go bogey free on Sunday of the open. I mean, you had Jordan speed at minus nine going into the day just to show you how, how hard the course was today. He finished up at minus four. This is yeah. Jordan Spieth. You know, this is the defending champion, a, a three-time major champion, who who played the final round five over today. So, um, pretty impressive stuff there from from Frankie. And really, the uh, the three guys at the top started the day at nine under. And you said Spieth shot seventy six. Shoffle was in the hunt the most of the three, but ended up shooting seventy four. And Kisner, who led the first, second, and third round, at least had a share of the lead for all three of the rounds, shot 74, wasn't really a factor today. So for it to be as exciting as it was, you kind of needed the lead dogs to come back to the pack, and they did. And it gave Tiger the lead for a minute. Um, you know, there, I, th I think there was a six-way tie at six under at a certain <laughs> yeah. point after Rory 
Rose had a crazy finish. Rory made an eagle on 14. And it was just like, are we going to have a seven-way playoff? What is happening in this tournament right now? My wife was sitting on the couch asking me, like, how, how do they do the playoff if there's eight guys in the playoff? Like, do, do, do they yeah. do them out in different groups? I'm like, you know what? I really don't know the answer to that question. I'm sure they, they put them out in twos and just march up the last four holes again and put them through that, uh, that gauntlet. But... Um, yeah, there was a while. It seemed like there was an hour and a half there in the middle of the round where every time they'd cut to a guy for a putt, it was like this putt is for birdie and a share of the lead or for yeah. birdie and the outright lead. And it was like 11 different guys who were putting for the lead over like <laughs> 90 minutes. Uh, it was a really – we haven't seen – I mean, the last two Opens, Joe, we talked about in our last episode how awesome the Open has been the last two years and how yeah. fun it's been. And those have both been – two horse races basically a really awesome match you know between two guys coming down in the end and today was the exact opposite it had all the drama but it was 12 different guys who you were like which one is gonna do it and the guy who didn't make a bogey well he's the guy who won it so <laughs> for the third year in a row it looks like the opens the best major of the year uh, unless the pga does something really unexpected <laughs> next month like actually be exciting i'm not holding yeah. my breath well, yeah, well I'd, have to, I'd have to watch it to find out <laughs> yeah exactly I mean, it is incredible what we got today. When you think of all the players we got to watch, all with a chance to win at some point. I mean, just from A-listers perspective, you have Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, and Tiger Woods all coming down the stretch with a chance and to win. Justin Rose, another, another top five guy in the world. Yeah, I was going to leave him out of that group. He's not quite as sexy as those other three. I was going to put yeah. him in the, in, the, in the next group of guys. You know, Justin Rose, Molinari, the hottest player in the world, the winner. Xander Schauffele, uh, obviously a great player. You had Cooch in there. Um, and then, <laughs> I, I don't know how much they they talked about this on the actual television broadcast, but I was listening a little bit to um, the open radio about midway through the round. I had to run it run at Aaron, but it was a really good way to keep track of what was going on. And they talked a lot about Eddie Pepperell, who is the young Brit who went out and shot 67 really early and had the clubhouse lead for, I would say, a solid three or four hours. And it was a real possibility. It looked like that he was going to actually have a chance to get into a playoff. He didn't. He finished his T6. But they talked about his, his, his night last night. And he said that he drank a lot of wine and he's not accustomed to drinking. So he was kind of hungover on the course today, <laughs> which is just yeah. a terrific wrinkle. Yeah, that was pretty fun. That would have been, I mean, he was minus five early and mm -hmm. um, he had the clubhouse lead for a long time, but you never really got the feeling that that was going to get there. But I mean, he was the talk of it for a while because it took until Justin Rose got in at minus six. Yeah, like you said, probably three hours later before he wasn't the leader in the clubhouse anymore. So, um, yeah, that was pretty fun. I, I think oh, after his like media session came up, people were like tweeting screenshots of the transcription of, his, <laughs> of him saying, like, yeah, I was all over. <laughs> And I, you know, I didn't really care if I shot 74 today, but I ended up with the clubhouse lead for like half the day. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. And apparently he left the golf course. Like, so we're, we're just recording this. The, the, they're giving away the, the claret jug and they'll say the, the champion golf of the year and all that kind of stuff is happening right now. Uh, so Eddie Pepperell left the golf course some two, two and a half hours ago. And there was still an outside chance he was going to get in a playoff. So I hope his house was close to Carnoustie because that was, um, <laughs> That was that was definitely an interesting decision. So we uh, we cover Pepperell, uh, Molinari. Why don't we take on uh, Rory for a second? What'd you make of his week? He went 69-69-70-70 for the week, finished tied for second. I saw uh, a stat that just popped up. Rory's first 
runner-up finish in a major in his career. Wow, that's an interesting stat. Mm -hmm. um, I think Rory did basically what you need to do to win these really tough major championships, and that's put together four solid rounds. You you don't need to go out there in one day and win it with one round. Just, you know, don't make the mistakes that are going to take you out of it and see what happens. And, I mean, it, it's got the feeling like Rory missed a ton of putts because one of those guys they kept cutting to with a putt to take the lead was Rory, yeah. and none of them really went in. But yet he just kept making pars. He didn't shoot himself in the foot. Um, I think he made a mistake early today, but, but bounced back from it nicely. Um, he did what he needed to do, and he, you know, got right there. What, what did he finish? Minus six. So what? Tied for second. Yep. T two. Um, yeah. So I, I just think that's kind of what you got to do to compete in these these really tough championships, and that's what he did. So. It was it was fun to watch from Rory. I mean, I was rooting against everybody who wasn't Tiger. So you know, all those guys, I was rooting for him to miss. But um, no, it was a lot of. I mean, just. I mean, you couldn't ask for for a better, you know, tournament from a spectator point of view. From from the names you had in there, from the number of guys you had in the mix, from the Tiger factor to it coming down to the last hole. I mean, this this tournament had it all. Like I said, for the third year in a row. Yeah, that's exactly right, Rory. Um... It's interesting to note that this is his first runner-up finish in majors. He's obviously won four, but it just sort of speaks to perhaps becoming more consistent in these uh, biggest events. Because when Rory wins, he blows people away. I mean, I think he won the the U.S. Open in 2011 by like eight shots or something crazy. And um, you know, he he has a tendency. He just made another birdie at Congressional, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and when he won Bay Hill earlier this year. He, he stomped on everybody. He, he just down the stretch, just blew everyone away. And I think that's when Rory tends to win is when he is doing it in dominant fashion as opposed to jockeying for position. Um, we've seen that happen more often than not. So perhaps this is a good sign for Rory going forward that he's going to contend in more majors. It has been four years since Rory's won a major, so it's been a little while now. Yeah. Um, Joe, what do you say we rehash our picks to win this championship. I also want to go through um, the guys in the top 10 in the world and talk about how they did. And um, then can we talk about Tiger some more? <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. So um, I don't, re <laughs> I remember <laughs> one of my picks for sure. Um, I remember, I, I remember all three of yours. Okay. So, well, so why don't, yeah. Why don't you, uh, why don't you take this then? Well, we, we had a couple dark horses who ended up uh, not playing in the tournament. <laughs> really Day dark horses. Joe's dark horse was John Daly. He withdrew earlier in the week. Um, mm. he, he probably just didn't feel like <laughs> making the trip over there just uh. for, a, for a short week. My, my dark horse was Joaquin Neiman, who he... Would he, he was qualified because of his amateur status, but when he declared his professionalism, he oh. he forfeited that that exemption, and, and so for the second time this summer, I've I've picked him to win a major that he wasn't participating in. So the dark horses, <laughs> for the dark horses, let's forget about that. Um, the contenders, I had Bubba Watson, and you had Ricky Fowler. Bubba missed the cut. Uh, Ricky was in it until um, he started making eights. I, I just Saturday, saw him, I saw him making eight, and then that was the last. <laughs> that was the last time they put Ricky on TV. 
Well, he did the same thing at uh, Shinnecock. He th- I think he shot 84 in the third round and otherwise played a great tournament, and it was the same sort of thing this week. What was, Did you see what he finished? I didn't. Like I said, I haven't seen anything from him since, he, since that eight. That, that wasn't he finished right. even overall, um, tied for 28th. So he went 70-69 to get in contention, then 73-72 over the weekend and mm-hmm. uh, finished tied 28th. So uh, we continue to wait for Ricky. I'm sure we'll pick him for the PGA. Yeah, can we just put like an all-time pick on Ricky that like <laughs> yeah, at the turn believes Ricky's going to win a major so we don't have to like use one of our picks on him every time? <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Okay. Um my winner missed the cut, Justin Thomas. Your winner was was also a contender for Oof. quite a while until this morning, Tommy yeah. Fleetwood. That was a good pick, Joe. Thank you. Well, I woke up, the first thing I saw was a leaderboard. And I saw Tommy Fleetwood was six under, and I thought, oh, baby, here we go. But um, he uh, made a double and then a bogey, and then wasn't really a factor. I mean, he played a, 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 a pretty mediocre tournament um, for three of the rounds. He went 72-65 on Friday uh, to really get himself in it, and then 71-73 over the weekend. Uh, so he finished T12. Um, good showing, but not not to the level of Francesco. Yeah. Um, so our picks for the first time in 2018 at the turn did not deliver you the yeah. winner of a major. Um, you know, we're, we're as surprised as you guys are, but you I'm know, shocked. We'll, we'll, we'll get into the PGA as long as we, we stop picking John Daly and walking Neiman, I think we'll be all right. I'll tell you what, real quick. Um, someone I'm definitely going to pick is one of my three picks at the PGA. And I just want to point it out because of his performance at the open. Francesco <laughs> <laughs> it should be. Um, no. So. I don't know if he's the only player to top 10 in all three majors, but he very well may be. Um, Tony Finau finished mm. T9, um, shot 67 the first day, then 71s uh, the rest of the tournament, finished tied for ninth, four under. He finished 10th at the Masters after famously like dislocating his ankle on the par three <laughs> contest. And then he was uh, in the final group on Sunday at Shinnecock, and I think he finished sixth there. So three top 10s and three majors for Tony Finau. Uh, he'll get some love at the PGA for me. For sure. It's a good call there. Um, I'll have to do some research before I, I put in my picks out there, but Joaquin probably still going to be my dark horse. <laughs> Got to get a look from you. <laughs> um, but Joe, I don't know how much of, of Thursday and Friday you watched, um, no but bad. Dustin Johnson mm. missed cut, number one in the world. Number two in the world, Justin Thomas missed cut. Number three in the world, Justin Rose. Gosh, if he doesn't make a great par on 17 and birdie on 18 on Friday, he misses the cut. Uh, he made the cut on the number and then was the clubhouse leader for a little bit on Sunday. Um, yeah, went John nine. Rahm, I was just going to say real quick, Justin Rose went nine under on the weekend. Yeah, that's that's incredible. He didn't make a bogey on 17 and on uh, no 15 through 18 all week. He was minus, uh, minus four. He made that bogey. So he played those holes minus five on the week. Uh, pretty incredible. Uh, I'm just going to keep going down. Brooks Kepka, yeah. he made the cut. He was, he was, he's number four in the world, which is also crazy to me. Um, but he what? wasn't too Wait, much. Why is that crazy <laughs> to you? He's won well, the US Open back to back. Yeah. Okay. That's true. Uh, he, he wasn't too much of a factor on the weekend. John Rahm, number five in the world, missed the cut. So you have three of the top five missing the cut. Another one, gosh, really, really, really close to missing the cut. Brooks shot a 41 on his front nine on Friday, on Thursday. Oof. I'm sorry. Um, and then bounce back from that. So, so nice job from him. Um, so three of the world's top five, or didn't even play the weekend, Joe. What, what does that say anything to you about the course, about the expectations, about anything, or is it just, you know, you're not going to make every cut? 
Yeah, I think you're not going to make every cut. And I think if this was at the Masters, it'd be a lot different than it being at the British Open. And what everyone pretty much says is the toughest course in the British Open rotation, Carnoustie. Justin Thomas doesn't have a good record in the British Open. Dustin Johnson does. So that's probably a little more surprising. But I'm just going to chalk it up to this is the British Open. And it can be a random tournament if you just get a few weird bounces or you get stuck in a bunker or you make a nine or something crazy. I mean, look. I'm going to go back to Francesco for a second because what he did was truly incredible. I mean, you saw how many bogeys were out there, even for folks that played good rounds. Francesco Molinari did not make a bogey, not just today, but the entire weekend. He didn't make one on Saturday either. So he played his last 37 holes at the British Open bogey-free, which is truly incredible. Right. I think that just goes to show winning this tournament is is more about avoiding bogeys than making birdies. I mean, he made he made two good birdies today. I mean, he, he got... 14, which like I said earlier, is you just kind of need to. Um, and then he, he had a nice birdie at 18, uh, but he did win by two. So it's it's like you said, it's more about, like I said, it's more about <laughs> avoiding bogeys than making birdies. Every time I look up today, there was a guy like hitting out of a pop bunker sideways and making a bogey, you know, having like an eight foot bogey putt. Um, you know, and those were the Spieths, who was plus five today. And, and Xander Schauffele, who... Um, you know, he was in contention till the end, but he made a bogey on 17 today. Um, and God, they, they just kept showing him with these like wild stances out of these huge bunkers. And I guess he made, you know, par on a lot of those, but, um, he just looked like he was really, really struggling. And I don't remember once seeing, seeing, uh, Francesco really struggling to make par. He just avoided the spots he needed to avoid, hit his greens, made his pars, snuck the birdies in when he could, when he needed to. And now he's on the jug. He's on the jug, man. All right, well, we're probably about midway through the golf season. Uh, British Open is over. We're in mid-late July, so uh, still a few months left of, of good prime golf weather here in the States. Stoked, stoked for that. So I'm also stoked for all the new products that Vice has, Nick. They got a bunch of new hats. I got a couple coming my way. Uh, I got a bunch of uh, Pro Pluses that are coming my way and free shipping on all that in the United States. If you use promo code TURN, T-U-R-N, they got a lot of nice gear on there. Uh, get yourself a towel, get yourself a hat, get yourself some balls, shoot lower scores. Vice. Joe, this is the moment I've been waiting for since 4.30 a.m. on Thursday. It's time for <laughs> you and I to talk about Tiger Woods for the next few hours on At The Turn. <laughs> Where to begin? Uh, well, I will begin with today, right? Let's talk about his day today. So that front nine, I'm going to say his first 10 holes, that was the most vintage, vintage Tiger I can, I can remember since, you know, really 2008. I mean, his last open, or excuse me, his last major win was now 10 years and one month ago at the 2008 U.S. Open. And this is, you know, he, he, he's, he, he had closer finishes since, but not since his comeback and he went away for a long time with the injuries specifically, specifically, not his personal stuff. And this was his best chance to actually win a major. And he went two under on the front nine. We talked about that incredible par that he made at 10 out of the bunker in the fairway. And again, at that point, he had the solo lead at seven under. And I thought he was cruising, Nick. John, Johnny Miller said at that point, Tiger still leads the field in fairways hit. And ultimately, it kind of unraveled for only two holes. Um, but he did miss a lot of fairways down the stretch. Only ended up hitting 
40% of his fairways today, and he went 80% of fairways in round three, 73% of his fairways in round two, and 73% of his fairways in round one. So he was in the mid-70s of fairways hit the first three rounds, and that's really where he lost the tournament. I mean, look, I don't want to take anything away from Francesco, but if Tiger makes a, a, a par on 11 and 12, uh, we're in a playoff right now with Francesco and Tiger. Yeah, um, he got aggressive on that bunker shot that you talked about earlier where um, he got it onto the green from about 100-something yards, maybe 110, 120 out of a bunker. Ended up making par there. His next hole, he was in a green side. Uh, he wasn't in a bunker. He hit a, he hit a terrible shot, Joe, and he hit a fan. I want to say the fan, like, kicked it uh, to give him, like, a, <laughs> like a, a much better opportunity. But he still had a shot from the rough over a bunker to a w- without much green uh, to the pin. And he could have played it out and basically like played it away from the flag, easily got it on the green, taken a bogey at worst, a two-putt bogey. But he elected to try to hit a flop shot and land it on the downslope of the bunker and roll it to the hole and try to save his par. Um, and he hit the shot. He said uh, He said the grass caught his club a little bit. But it looked to me like it was maybe less than a yard short of of rolling forward towards the flag instead of what happened. It rolled it rolled back down towards you know back down the bunker. Um, but if that shot rolls towards the flag and he leaves himself like three feet and makes par there, it's back to back huge par saves, and he's still minus seven. He's still the leader. That's the hole he ended up making a double bogey on because he missed his bogey putt. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, I think he he builds that momentum rather than loses it. He ended up making a bogey on the next hole, um, where he had like a decent par putt, I want to say, on that next hole. And then he was just always a couple off the lead from there on out. But man, I, I really want to say he was like two feet further on that flop shot, that that aggressive flop shot that he tried um from from potentially being the champion here. And and uh Twitter blew up. God, everyone is like all over tigers in the lead, yada yada yada. And then Everyone's like, what a terrible decision. I can't believe he did that. So stupid, you know, but it's like, that's the, that aggressive mindset to hit that flop shot rather than play for the bogey is what got him there. And he, he's feeling that adrenaline. He just hit an awesome shot using that aggressive mindset. So I didn't really think that the decision was, was that disastrous. The result obviously was not what he wanted, but you have to take some risk into it if you're going to want to go out and win it. And that's what he was trying to do. It just didn't work out in his favor. Um, but man, I really think we're like two feet away from, from Tiger putting his name on that trophy one more time. I hear what you're saying um, because his aggressive approach got him to the point of being seven under. Uh, and look, his mindset going into the round was probably let's just not make bogeys. Let's just not make bogeys. But uh uh, really starting on eight, I want to say, on the front side is when, because up until that point, he was striking the ball flawlessly. He was putting it everywhere he wanted to. And then he started to scramble a little bit and was able to make some nice up and downs. Um, we mentioned 10 a couple of times. But on 11, I hear what you're saying where it is perhaps one bounce, one revolution, a little bit of spin away from being a perfect golf shot and probably makes par. I just think that you got to take double out of the equation. And if he makes bogey there, I just think maybe things are a little different. I'm not saying it was the wrong decision because you're right. If he pulls it off, we're having a different conversation. 
but he didn't pull it off. And that is ultimately the reason why he wasn't really a factor the rest of the way. Right. And I did like the fact that, you know, he made the double, then he made the bogey. But after that, he was still, he still hung around at minus five. I want to say he snuck, he did sneak one more birdie in there. Yeah, um, he made that incredible. Oh, I'm sorry, Nick. I was just going to say the, the birdie he made on 14. So he had a, mm. a short distance in for his second shot, but because it was downwind, he was out of the rough. The, the ball, went, <laughs> the ball went probably, I don't know, 120 feet away from the hole. It, it was, um, Combined green, four and 14 share of green. And he was, I mean, if he was playing four, he had about 10 feet for eagle. But unfortunately, he was playing 14. And he actually had to chip the ball up the green. Did not hit a great shot. I mean, obviously, it was difficult. But then pours in like a 25-footer for birdie. And you think, oh, boy, Tiger's got a few holes left. And he did play the last four holes even par, which is not easy to do. Nope. So he did play well. It was just 11 and 12. And that cost him the Claret Jug. It it's tough to nitpick his round because he did shoot 71 and he did hold the lead for a little bit. But I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're at with tiger is, Hey, tiger, tiger's playing this major. He played well. He didn't win. We're kind of starting to expect to expect him to win again. Joe, that's the perfect segue into my next question for you, which is, is the window for tiger woods to complete the comeback. And by that, I mean, winning another major, potentially getting to number one in the world again, or up into that top 10, is that window opening or is that window closing? Well, I think it's opening. Um, I don't know how long it will be. He'll be 43 going into 2019. Um, you know, Phil is pushing 50. I think he's five years older than Tiger. And he won a world golf championship this year. And he, I think, finished top 30. So he's he, he's still hanging around a little bit. Um, but this is another top 10 for Tiger this season. If I'm not mistaken, it's his fourth top 10 in 12 starts in the PGA Tour this year. That's a pretty good percentage for anybody, 25% of your top 10s um, when you start a golf tournament. I think Tiger, if he stays healthy, contends a little more, he's pushing top 50 in the world, he'll get into the FedEx Cup nonsense at the end of the year, have a chance to play well. Uh, maybe he'll go overseas a little bit in the winter. Still got one major this year. But I guess what I'm hopeful for is, Nick, is he can get perhaps to that like top 30, top 35 in the world going into Augusta next year. I don't think he's going to rip off two wins to end the season. He could, for goodness sakes. He's Tiger Woods. Um, but I would say Tiger has a nice window of probably five to seven years left um, where he can seriously can contend in majors. And who's to say old man Tiger can't go out at Augusta and make cuts into his mid-50s and squeeze out of contention? I mean, Freddie was competing into his early 50s. He has a garbage back. Jack Nicholas in 1998, I think he was in his late 50s, and he was like one off the lead in the final round at Augusta. So I think to seriously contend, perhaps with some consistency, you're probably looking at five to seven years. But I would say if Tiger Woods can stay healthy, he'll have a chance to make cuts, get in the top 10, and maybe sneak out an old man victory all the way into his 50s. The oldest major champion was 48 years old, Julius Boros, but Tiger Woods has been making history his whole career. So if he won the Masters in, at age 55, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised by that. All right. All right. So I'm going to ask you one more question about Tiger Woods. Um, ask me all the questions you want about <laughs> Tiger Woods. <laughs> we're talking about the, the Tiger Woods comeback and, and where it is. Um, 
if we're going to tell our kids in 20, 30 years who are unborn, um, Tiger Woods completed the comeback, what does that mean? What does Tiger have to do to finish his career, in your opinion, to complete the comeback? I think he has to win a golf tournament of some stature. I think if Tiger wins the Memorial or Bay Hill or even the players, and he is able to squeeze out two to four more regular tour wins, I would say that the comeback is complete. Obviously, if he wins any major, that's it. The discussion is over. There's no question, is Tiger back? Is Tiger back? Tiger's back. Now, I think what we've seen of Tiger this year, and I'd like to ask you this, and I'll give my opinion on it first, based on the conversations we were having when Tiger Woods was first starting to enter events in 2018, you know, is Tiger going to make the cut? Who, who's going to have more top tens, Phil or Tiger, all this kind of stuff. Um, and we were considering the fact that Tiger was going to contend as often as he has. Earlier this year in Tampa, he had a putt on the 72nd hole to get into a playoff. Um, he held the lead, 54 holes, excuse me, 63 holes through the British Open. So as far as I'm concerned, Tiger is ahead of schedule. And if he could continue this sort of steady upward trajectory, uh, I would expect him to seriously contend at Augusta and win, if not this year, then certainly next year. So for me, he's ahead of schedule. Comeback is complete when he wins a major or multiple tour events. Right. I, th I think he's, I think he's got to win a major or, and these things probably go hand in hand, get back to number one in the world. And I know he's a long way from that right now, Joe, but even if he gets back to number one in the world and doesn't win a major, I think that you can say that he, he got back, you know, he, he got there, he completed the comeback. Now that's, that's a huge ask. I mean, it's probably better chance of winning a major. We have this as a, would you rather question a couple of weeks ago, um, to win a major, you have to have four good days of golf. To get number one in the world, you have to have 18 good months of golf. But he's shown us six good months of golf, five good months of golf, um, not world number one level. But if he keeps on this ascension, like you mentioned, getting himself into contention, if he, gosh, pulls off a victory, pulls off a couple, gets some momentum, gets a major, um, I don't think – you can't ask for too much. There, there's, there is no such thing as asking too much for Tiger. He, he's Tiger. There's nothing that's too great of an ask for him, right? Like to win a major, you won 14. Like you can give us a couple more, right? You've, you've won 80 something tournaments. You can pull out a few more, right? Like there's, there's nothing that's asking out of his, out of his capabilities. No, and I think Tiger would, if you were to give him the truth serum. And you ask him, Tiger. <laughs> There's no truth. First there. of all, first of all, I would love to ask him a lot of things, but if we're if if, if we're just sticking to golf, I would ask him, <laughs> oh, God, Tiger, God. do you think you're going to win another major? Would you be disappointed if you did not slip on the green jacket one more time? Even though we have a new Tiger Woods, a more relaxed Tiger Woods, his I don't know if you caught his post round interview, but for having a chance to win a major and not winning and to have Tiger be so laid back about the conversation speaks volumes to how far he's come as a person. That all being said, deep down, deep in Tiger, he thinks that he should have won another major championship by now. And 
if he doesn't and his career ends, I think he'd be very disappointed with that. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think I, I don't think it's that deep down, Joe. I think that what you're saying, how far he's come as a person is really more how far he's come as a, a person who speaks to the media. I mean, I think he maybe just changed his tune slightly when he's speaking publicly, but I don't think his mindset has changed one bit just because he's got a different attitude outwardly towards the public. Um, I think he fully has that pressure on himself. I mean, if you were to ask me who who's putting more pressure on themselves to win a major, Ricky Fowler or Tiger Woods, I think that answer is Tiger Woods. And, and we all know the amount of pressure that Ricky's got on him just from, you know, palling around with all these guys who are winning every major. No, certainly. Um, and I don't know how much more you want to cover Tiger from a big picture perspective, but kind of going just back. Just a couple of hours. <laughs> just, 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 just a few more hours. Um, but just to go back to the round real quick, I really think the pairing of Tiger and Francesco helped them both immensely. I think, um, you know, if Tiger Woods would have been paired with Jordan Spieth or Rory, it would have been a totally different atmosphere. That would have been super cool. I, I, I assume Tiger would have reacted fine. But I think being with someone who, first of all, played so steady today, just watching a guy making pars and not making mistakes has to help you. Uh, and also someone that, how can I put this? Someone who is not some a person who is not expected to necessarily be there all the time. Despite his recent play, he's the hottest player in the world. But you're not going to have the same sort of circus with Francesco and Tiger that you are with Rory and Tiger, or Spieth and Tiger, or Spieth and Rory. And I just think that the sort of the subdued nature of the pairing probably helped both. I think it helped Francesco from the perspective of okay, I'm staring down Tiger Woods. I'm playing every bit as good as him. He's at the top of his game right now. He's at the top of his leaderboard. And I'm just cool as a cucumber with the whole situation. I, I, I really think the pairing helped them both in different ways. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I imagine how wild it would have been at the British Open if it was Tiger and Rory in the, oh in the final round in like one of the final <laughs> three groups. Um, yeah. God. Speaking about the, the circus crowds, did you catch on 18 that guy oh, in the Tiger's backswing? All week, all I've heard is how great the British fans are, how they applaud lag putts and they applaud like smart shots and they're just so knowledgeable and all this stuff. But that guy needs to just get out of there. Just go go home. What You're, you're cheering during Tiger Woods' like most important tee shot. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Right. I. I, I could not believe it. And not only that, did you catch when Xander was trying to <laughs> hit that flop shot on the 71st hole in 17? That baby would get the hell out. <laughs> the baby and the mother. And the, and the commentators were being nice, like, okay, maybe we should move this yeah. mother in the stroller. It's like, yes. Maybe like, you lost your right to be like the closest person to this guy who's trying to save a par and win the British Open right now. That's exactly right. You're having a direct impact on the outcome of the British Open. Perhaps we, uh, we, we, we move a little bit. Oh God! No, yeah, but that was that, that was the, yeah. The guy, the guy in the seventy-second hole with Tiger was just obnoxious. I have I, I have no time for that. And I I thought he was yelling with a British accent, but I saw somebody tweet like, "Oh, some some," and I'm paraphrasing like, "Some dumb American has made their way across the pond." I see. I'm like, "Come on, man! Like, <laughs> this is your kind." <laughs> yeah, this is this is you, and also like. 
Don't blame the country like, of America. I had like 150 pounds on Justin Rose. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was it was out of control. Um, and anything else you want to mention on Tiger? I, I'd like to get to Spieth for a minute, if you don't mind. Yeah, just a few more things. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> my last thing, though, and we'll we'll find out tomorrow, and I'll be sure to tweet about it. We. <laughs> Bridgestone, Bridgestone, Bridgestone watch. watch, Joe. We would be uh, unjust if we got out of here without a Bridgestone watch. But, but seriously, I mean, it was a, a goal of his to get in the top fifty in the world, which is what he needs to do to qualify for Bridgestone. And I saw and it on you, Friday. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, j- just to kind of set it up a little bit. So, Bridgestone is the tournament Tiger has won eight times. It's coming up in a few weeks. In order for Tiger to qualify for it, he has to be one of the top fifty golfers in the world. And it appears he's just going to miss out. Go ahead, Nick. Well, I don't know, Joe, because I saw a tweet on Friday or Saturday that said he needed to finish sixth or better um, mm. to get into the top 50. And that's that projection is always, you know, there's a margin for error because it depends on who the guys ahead of him are and what their world ranking is and the divisor and what tournament from two years ago falls off of the radar and what that does. And there's there's a lot that goes into it. We're going to need to get a scientist on sometime to explain <laughs> that to us. exactly. But it was projected about top six should do it. Um, and he finished tied for sixth, Joe. So um, I can't wait for tomorrow to see if he's in the top 50 in the world. And if he's number 51, which seems like the only alternative, is he going to add next week's event to his schedule, which I don't even know what event that is. But, I mean, he could foreseeably. You have to be top 50 in the world by either July 23rd or July 30th, meaning if he's top 50 tomorrow and then drops out, he, he's in. Or he has one more week also to get into that top 50. So be interesting to see. Um, if he tries to tee it up next week, if he's number 51 and, and improve that ranking just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I would be surprised after, you know, grinding it out in a major championship down the stretch, if he's going to fly across the world and, and play in the tournament next week, even if it is to get into Bridgestone, maybe he will. Um, but that just would be a really surprising move. Um, as far as I'm concerned, either way, I, I, I'd um, be shocked. No, I, I'm hundred percent with you on that. Right. So, you know, maybe someone withdraw and have a chance to get in that way. Um, I don't think but, there's alternates, though. To be honest, I think that you're either you're oh, in or you're field. out. Yep. Sure. And if you if you're not in, you're not in. Yeah, I, I think that's how it works. And gosh, <laughs> Tiger's not going to pull a John Daly like ninth, ninth alternate, like driving yeah. from Florida to Ohio <laughs> on, <laughs> on Wednesday night to make his tea time. <laughs> no, I mean that's yeah. Well, that would be a lot of fun to see him there because seeing Tiger at courses that he does really well is obviously very fun because it gives him the best chance to win. Um, so I have to see how it plays out and, uh, go to at NJ Heidelberger on Twitter to find out tomorrow whether or not Tiger Woods is in the top 50 in the world and qualifies for Bridgestone. Can we, can we close the, uh, the, the book on Tiger? Yeah, that's enough Tiger talk for this week. Okay. Um, well, I don't really have a whole lot more that I want to get to. I think we've covered most of it. Um, but one person I want to talk about is the person that I thought was probably going to run away with it today. Uh, Jordan Spieth started the day at nine under along with Kevin Kisner and Xander Schauffele. He ends up shooting 76, um, just continued to leak oil throughout the day. Uh, ended up shooting 39 on the front, 37 on the back, made a double on six, the par five on the front. He three putt both of the par fives today, one for double bogey uh, and one for uh, par. 
33 putts today, and Spieth was on kind of on cruise control, it seemed like. He went 72. He was plus one after Thursday. They went 67-65 to go to nine under, and it's like, all right, well, Jordan's just going to win this tournament by four and whatever, uh, but he didn't. He putted really poorly today. No birdies on Sunday for Jordan Spieth. 33 putts, as I mentioned, and even – this was the bugaboo coming in. Despite Spieth being one of the best putters in the world, he's had a really poor season putting in 2018, has not won on this PGA Tour season, and missed a lot of short putts, seemingly all to the right. 76 for Jordan Spieth, and uh, it ultimately doomed him today, Nick. Were you surprised that he wasn't more of a factor? So when I see Jordan Spieth's name at the top of a leaderboard on Sunday morning in a major, there's only one thought in my mind, and that's, how much is Jordan going to win by? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just what we're trained to think because, I mean, yeah, he did let a Masters slip away um, notoriously, but but it's it's that's the outlier. I mean, what he did last year, and even when I mean, last year he played his minus, his last five holes five under to win the, the Open. Yeah. Um, I really, really was shocked that that Jordan didn't make a birdie today. Uh, five over par. That was that was the most surprising thing of the day. Um, God, I mean, he was nine under to start today. He he yeah. could have shot a seven. He could have shot one over, in, in uh, been in a playoff. Uh, you know, yeah. even par even par would have won him the thing. And I don't know if he thought he needed because that leaderboard was so congested at the top. It wasn't like it was him and one of the guy at nine under and nobody else. You know, more than three under. It was it was a very congested leaderboard. There was a lot of big names there. He probably put a lot of pressure. He probably thought the number was maybe minus 12. Um, if you would have told him going in, the number was minus eight. I don't know if he plays a little bit differently or not, but uh, it was very surprising to see that that number from Jordan today. Despite the day, it is his, listen to this stat. He's played in 23 career majors. He's finished in the top 10 in nine of them. It's almost half, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is almost half. Very impressive stuff uh, from Jordan Spieth. Want to give a shout-out to Xander Schauffele, who played a – I mean, look, he shot three over, but he was right there with Molinari down the stretch, the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year from last year. He'll probably get a look for a Ryder Cup pick, you would think, um, and hung in there and did so across the pond. Very impressive stuff from him today as well. Yeah. Um, did you know on Wednesday that he was the last year's tour championship winner? I I did. What? Okay. I mean, I believe you. But if I asked you on Wednesday who won the tour championship last year, you would have said Xander Schauffele? Nick, of course, what do you mean? Of course I would have. He won the tour championship. Come on. I don't know. He's he's the he's the rookie of the year. He won two tournaments. One of them was the tour championship. Yeah, it sure was. So wow, that was really <laughs> <laughs> I love that you don't believe me. Um well I bet you most of the listeners of at the turn, you know, we're not that familiar with his name. That's all I'm gonna say. You are you are projecting your lack of Xander Schauffele knowledge onto our audience, and I won't you know, stand I, for I've it. heard his name before, but yeah, you know, like like I wasn't like I've never heard of this guy, but Gosh, I didn't know. Just I, I'm more speaking to the irrelevance of the the weird playoff system than the irrelevance oh, I, of Xander Schauffele. 
Sure. No, I, I see what you're saying because it happened. It's like 30 people in the field. It happens in September. Golf season's kind of eh, at that point. So I hear you. Um, but no, good stuff from him. Um, Cooch snuck into the top 10 as he customarily does, uh, finishing tied for ninth. Who's going to um, win a major first, Cooch or Ricky? First of all, to win a major first, you have to win a major. <laughs> and I don't think Matt Cooch. Cooch all right, are yeah, you of those guys? Uh, so you, okay, so you got obviously Ricky, but but Cooch is always in the mix. God, he was so close last year. Um, he he seems to always get himself, you know, in the conversation, but never yeah. really, you know, never he's never <laughs> blown one on the seventy second hole. You know what I mean? Not not no uh, in that position. So I mean, I don't know, but I'd really love. I would love to see Cooch win a major more than anybody other than Tiger. Really? I think so. God, the guy deserves it. He's a good dude. He's one of the nice guys, Joe. Just allegedly. like me. <laughs> allegedly, Kucher's one of the nice guys. There's a few stories me and out Cooch, there. Maybe we we just need be. our majors. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, real quick on Kiz. Uh, Kevin Kisner, the lead of the first three rounds, or at least had to share the lead for all three rounds. I was excited for him to win. Uh, interesting stat. Not since Jason Duffner won the 2013 PGA Championship has a major winner won a major with a fat dip in their mouth during the entire round. So I was pretty excited <laughs> to see if that could have occurred. But not this year, I guess. No, have to wait till next year. That's uh, nothing says British Open like uh, a, a little bit of skull in your lip as you're uh, coming down the 72nd hole. Right. Um, um, real quick storylines I've yeah. had enough of. Uh, Jordan Spieth's haircut. I uh, don't don't need any more of that in in the frat house with all with all the bros. Yeah, can we cool. stop? Let them let them do their thing. Like it, it's not that big of a deal. It's just guys sharing an Airbnb because they're all gonna be in the same place at the same time. We yeah. all do it. Like I was talking to my girlfriend about this. It's like, guess what? They're not in bunk beds. They're millionaires. <laughs> they have wings of a gigantic mansion. There's a masseuse that's just staying there with them. A private chef. It's like when we get together for a golf weekend, we're sleeping on the floor. We're sleeping on couches. They're not doing that, okay? So let's yeah. not try. It, it, it's good. I like that the Americans like each other. It's good for Ryder Cup, blah, blah, blah. But let's not take it to a crazy degree. It is just a bunch okay. of millionaires hanging out. <laughs> Seriously. Um, well, oh. Nick, do you have anything else that you have to add? I, I got to take a cold shower and start my day. It's only, it's, it's not even noon over here. So I gotta, well, I gotta get it to Joe, I've had, I've, life. I've already had four PBRs and, uh, to celebrate oh. the British open and Oban little Bay, single Scott match, uh, single, single malt <laughs> Scotch whiskey. Oh my God. Okay. Well you have, we have much different afternoons ahead of us. Indeed. Um, yeah, no, just third year in a row of an epic British Open, and um, it, it's it's climbing my list of favorite majors. It, it has, for me, surpassed the U.S. Open with all the gimmicky crap that the USGA does and how awesome the Open has been the last three years. It is uh, behind the Masters for me as my second favorite major now. Yeah, no, it it really does come through, and it's almost like because we have the Masters and U.S. Open in April and June, like while they're happening, we're like, oh yeah, these are the best majors. And then when the open comes, it's just like, first of all, I mean, at least on the West Coast, when I first wake up, the leaders are already on the course. Like I woke up at 6.30 today and, you know, things were already happening. And so I'm drinking coffee, kind of hanging out, getting my wits about me. And a major championship Sunday is unfolding. It's just always such a great morning. Um, we've been lucky to have three spectacular 
uh, British Opens in a row. Great champion and for Francesco Molinari. He's the hottest player in the world, played the best. He, no reasonable person can say that the deserving person did not win today. I mean, he, he, he deserved to win, and he did. And we got a lot of the most exciting, best players, um, biggest needle movers in the world, all at the top of the leaderboard. And uh, you, really, you really can't ask for much more to start your Sunday. For sure. And Joe, that you brought up a good point. I just want to ask you real quick. Um, what was your viewing schedule? You're on the West Coast. Obviously, this is an eight hour, eight hours ahead of you. Um, so what was it like trying to watch this tournament for you? Well, they started once the Golf Channel took over coverage. It was cool because on Thursday and Friday, they show the entirety of the broadcast. So yeah, they, they have a bunch of 1.30 a.m. Eastern time. Yeah. So. I've done it before. I, I didn't do it this year, but if you stay up to like 1045 on Thursday, on Wednesday night <laughs> in the Pacific time zone, you can see the first shots of the British open being hit. And it's just like, Oh my God, this is so much fun. So uh, basically on Thursday and Friday, it goes from 1030 PM until like 2 PM the following day. And then on the weekend, I usually get up around six and I catch five or six hours of coverage uh, that way, including the entirety of the leaders on the golf course. But part of the, like the, the British open on the West coast is great. It's kind of like waking up on Christmas morning because you like, you wake up, it's like six o'clock. You think, Oh my God, half the field's already finished. What's going on. And you run to the TV and turn it on and you get to see what's going on. Cause you don't know. It's just like Christmas morning on Saturday and Sunday to see what kind of course has unfolded. And I heard the wind was going to blow this morning, but to wake up and see it whipping around and knowing that we're going to have kind of a crazy Sunday finish. It's just, it's just so much fun. It, 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 it's, it's really just a great day of golf. Yeah. I, um, I, I woke up at like 4 15 AM on Thursday and Friday. And uh, well, I woke oh up, at, I woke up at like four on Thursday. I watched, there was a few guys early. I think Jordan Spieth was, was really early on Thursday. Uh, Rory, I think, was up there. It, it feels like a year ago now, even though it's only four days ago. Um, and, and I think Tyler Tiger had, um, you know, around four or five a.m. tea time. And then, and then uh, yesterday, Tiger was at like or Friday. I don't know. I, I've been up at like between four thirty and five the first few days, and then the you know Saturday and Sunday was was a little more realistic, maybe like uh, I don't know seven or eight a.m. But I, I watched. I probably watched thirty hours of the Open coverage. Yeah. Well, I remember from. What was it, 2016, when you were living in Hawaii with uh, Stenson and uh, Mickelson? What time did you have to wake up to catch that? Um, they were. I want to say it was like 3:45, yeah. maybe, and that was the leader. I mean, that was the last tee time, right? Um, you know, so I mean, the leaders today. Then what time did they tee off? 9:30 Eastern, 9:45, mm -hmm. yeah. almost 10 o'clock Eastern. So yeah. Um, that was fun, but I agree. That's that's the fun of the British Open. You get up when it's still dark. It's still dark for like the first three hours. You're watching. You're drinking coffee. Uh, you know, the, the world around you is silent. You know, there's no traffic driving by your house. There's no nothing. It's just you in the open. <laughs> it's a pretty fun <laughs> you. In my case, it was me, the open, and the Twitterverse, and and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> no, it really was. So uh, once again, Francesco Molinari, the winner. Champion golfer of the year for the 147th British Open. Tiger played well. Rory played well. Spieth all in the mix. 
Uh, certainly a great tournament. Nick, why don't we, uh, let's, let's do another one of these at the turns in a couple weeks. What do you say? Let's do it. Okay. I want to thank everyone for listening. Again, uh, check out Vice Golf, promo code TURN, T-U-R-N. Uh, happy Brit- British Open, everybody. Take care. Have a good one. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at the turn.